Welcome to Shades and Coffee, the almost weekly look good, feel good podcast presented by me, Vivian Braidwood. My guest today is an award-winning milliner. That's hat maker to you. All her pieces are handmade with love by the small London team based in the Oxo Tower. International clients and celebrities worldwide have worn her hats and the label continues to grow from strength to strength. Whether it's Royal Ascot, Henley Royal Regatta, a wedding, garden party, or you simply need a glamorous and absolutely fabulous headpiece, you can buy, hire, or even create, that's right, create your very own hat at one of her millinery house events. This is one Mad Hatter's Tea Party you definitely won't want to miss. Please welcome founder and creator, Catherine Elizabeth. It's clear to anyone that meets you that you absolutely love what you do. Have you always had a passion for hats? I mean, when and how did you start getting into, how does one get into making hats? I know, it's such a different business, isn't it? Like, not that many people hear of it. And when you say I'm a milliner, they say, well, you make bread, you know, you're a milliner. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, I remember when I was younger, I was about 13, I said I wanted to study fashion and my teacher just said, don't be so stupid, you're going to be a secretary, and wrote that down. Um, and I just remember thinking, what? How dare you say that? Um, so I'm going to prove you wrong. And then I, so I knew I wanted to do something in fashion. And I um, went and did a GMVQ in art, an A-level in art. And then I went to do the degree. But I still didn't know about hats until the end of the degree. This lady came from Frederick Fox. And she showed me a hat that she made from rocks. And it was all um, sort of cast. Because you have to use these wooden blocks to actually make the, the hat. And um, she put chicken wire or something on, this, um, on these rocks and then put plaster cast on it so, to actually make the shape. And then she got the fabric that we use, which is a cinema, a straw fabric, and put that over the, the block that she'd made. Um, so obviously it wasn't wood, it was another way because you can make them in other ways. And then, um, then she just had this sort of big black hat, this undulating hat thing. And I thought, oh my God, that's it. You know, that's... It's art, it's fashion, it's everything, it's all in one. So I knew I wanted to do fashion, but more like Alexander McQueen abstract. And that's what I liked about the fashion, the crazy side of it, not the commercial. There's no point in me making a jumper. I can just go and buy that. I, I wanted to make something that was a more of a statement. And then discovering millinery, it's a smaller statement. You don't have to make it in loads of different sizes. You can just make one piece and it can be an art piece. So yeah. Um, so I decided to do my final degree when you do a fashion show at the end uh, you always you know do, do all your collections I decided to do it in hats um, that was really lucky so then I went to work for Stephen Jones for a while to learn how to put things together properly and how to sew the edging and stitches and put your Peter Shimon and things like that so I could uh, sort of do the final piece and I worked for Catherine Delaney as well after that and she was great at teaching me trimmings and she did a lot for the theatre and a lot for fashion as well. So that's how I started. That's how I sort of discovered it. When I went into my career, well, I was very jealous of creative people because I was banned from doing anything like that. It's like, get a proper job, go into accountancy yeah. or finance or whatever. So um, when you're creative like that and you've got the support of family in particular at that age, it's wonderful. So what did your family make of that when you said, actually, I'm going to go into the hat making side of it? Were they very supportive or were there some raised eyebrows? very supportive actually I was very lucky yeah my mum was always a, a good artist she's good at drawing and painting so I saw that as I was growing up um, and she always you know, had some of her art pictures that she did when she was younger on the walls I think she wanted to go to art college as well but she wasn't allowed to she sort of her parents moved away and then she ended up going into another uh, career but she always loved art and my dad was um, a carpenter at the time so he was all 3D so I think that influenced me as well 
yeah, they were, they were sort of, you know, you want to do what you want to do. Okay, we'll support you. I think I remember mum saying to me, I should go into banking at one point. But I was very <laughs> young. And she only said that because I like fiddling with bits of paper. She whispered so, it. I haven't got the brain for that. <laughs> I'm not great on maths. So no, they were very good, very encouraging and sort of helped and supported and tried to do what they could. So yeah. One way I feel as if I should have gone into a normal job, saved up money and then gone into what I wanted to do because that would have been more sensible. I wouldn't say that. I did it that way around and I feel that your way around. I wish I'd have done that. So I did go into finance and do all of that and sort of put on the back burner the things that I was passionate about. I looked on people like you with envy, like, oh, I wish I could do what, what they were doing. But it sounds as if your parents are very understanding because they had an artistic background and, you know, creative background. I think that's probably very helpful. They understood in a way yeah. that maybe if they didn't have that background, they, they might not have. Now, in terms of hats, whenever I see a hat, you know, I pay attention. I know something special is going on, you know? I remember seeing a couple walking through the park once in these amazing hats. They looked very out of place and everyone was staring. Like, Where are they going? Like, what's happening? So you always know something special is going on. And ditto when you put one on, you know, you feel like you've just been crowned, like you're transported. But what mm. is it about hats that make people feel like that? Mm. it's funny I, I feel they make because I'm what five foot three and I think if I put a hat on I feel taller I feel more elegant I feel prettier because there's things always things on your face that you don't like and um, um I think the hats take away from that so I don't like my nose so I think if, if someone is looking at me then and I've got a hat on they're going to look straight to the hat not going to look at the other bit and then it makes everything else look better especially if you've got a hat on the slant so if you've got it on your parting side I always put them on my parting sides and then I always have them quite slanted and then you feel a bit like oh I feel a bit more you know edgy and a bit more fashiony it's just something about wearing a sculpture but when I get clients in who are a little bit nervous sometimes and they sort of think oh I have to wear this hat to a wedding but I'm not sure about it and they've never done it before and in the end they end up loving it but I say right just take this hat and then wear it at home on your own around the bedroom look in the mirror sometimes you know and show them so it's, it's fitted on right and then just get used to it and just wear it around the house and then they forget they've got it on and then you you're fine then so then you can just go out and wear it and just you feel then a little bit more special and I find if people are looking at you you've got to think of it in a way if they're looking at you because they think wow you're brave for wearing that and, um, and it looks great on you they're not sitting there going oh what's that thing on her head you know nobody's ever like that people are looking at you it's normally because they wish that they were doing that I will try that because I'm one of those people where when I put a hat on I'm so self-conscious people are looking but it's nice to hear you say that they're looking because they're thinking wow it's amazing that doesn't really help me when I'm wearing a hat because I'm you know almost blushing and eventually it comes off so that's great advice I will wear it around the house yeah. <laughs> until it feels like just a normal extension of me I mean, what are your top tips for looking good in a hat? Always wear it on your parting side. They do say that you have it on the left, but I always ignore that because you've got less hair on one side and more hair on the other. So put it on your parting side and then the other side of your hair, you can style up um, and you can add it to the hat. So you don't always want just straight, long, flat hair. You could do something with it to sort of add it to the hat or put it up. And also, if you've got a certain shaped face, you need to wear a certain hat. So if you've got a tiny little face, I wouldn't put a massive, massive hat on you, depending on what you're wearing. If you've got big shoulder pads, though, you might get away with it. If you've got a narrow face, a very long face, you wouldn't have anything too tall because it elongates your face. Oh. So I would then make it a little bit more abstract, have it on the side of your head so it's slanted, so it cuts across your face a little bit. And then it sort of shortens the face rather than elongates the face. 
And if you've got a round face, never wear a round hat because that'll accentuate the roundness in your face. So if you've got a round face and I'd wear something more of a trilby or something more masculine or architectural with points in it, so that, and it's taking away from the fact that you've got a round face. So I always say, go to the opposite to what you are. Now, in terms of your business model, I love how wonderfully diverse it is. I'm sure it's probably something that's helped you weather the storm, the fact that you have so many arms to it. Catherine Elizabeth Hats or Catherine Elizabeth Millinery, both of those will take you to my website, which has got all the couture hat collections on there. So anybody ever needs a hat can go there and have a look and then come to me and I can make something specific. Just I like making one-off hats just for the client so they can see something they like, but I'll end up making something around those lines, but different so that I know they've got a unique piece. And then if you go to um, Millinery and Business Academy, that's the teaching side. So that's the membership site where you learn about millinery and business. But we also have millinery house events. What I do is I, I teach corporate companies and bridal showers as well, sort of how to make hats in group settings. So we've got a shop in the Oxo Tower. When I was younger, there was a milliner there and he had a shop on the corner. I think it was Ian Bennett. And I used to look up at that when I was 20 and say, I want a shop there. So about four years ago, a shop came up there and a friend told me about it. And I thought, oh my God, right, that's it. I have to have a shop in the Oxo Tower because that's what I always wanted. So we make everything on site. And that was one of the stipulations of getting the shop. The company who owns it wanted, because it's all designers up there. And they wanted the designers to make in the shop so people can see what you're actually doing. So they can come in and see the block. So they, they can see you working, basically. The yeah. space where you're working is open. Oh, that's nice. I like that. So in terms of this year, I mean, we're October now, how has that been, in, that side of the business, how has that been impacted with all this sort of stopping and starting of trade and obviously footfall and, and things like that? This is my busy time, the summer, and it's just so awful that this came along. It was right at the, the start. So I had a few clients who were going to weddings and, and getting ready and, and organising their outfits. And then they all had to stop and say, well, we don't know what's going on. And I remember having an Italian student uh, and it was all kicking off in Italy. And we were thinking, why are they not locking us down now? You know, and so it went on, dragged on for a few weeks. We weren't sure what's happening. And then we went into lockdown and it's just really been quite quiet since then. But it's picking up now. It's starting to pick back up again, but it's not like it should have been. I was so lucky that I had started my academy sort of the year before. And I thought, right, what am I doing? People still want this. Right in the middle of lockdown, when we were all locked up, I said, right, let's do a millinery challenge online. So we did that. And loads of people came in. We had about 800 people joining in wow. on it. And they were all excited and they were making and they were ordering fabrics. I mean, the companies they ordered from must have made so much money from all of those felts that everybody was buying and then doing it all. So that was really nice and exciting. And then I opened up the Academy doors again and I said, would anybody want to come in? So then I just got about a hundred people coming into the Academy wanting to join us. Um, so that's really nice. So now I've got this sort of inspiring creative milliners group, which is the free group, which has got about, it's, it's grown by about a thousand and a half people in the time. What, since March to now, to October? Yeah. So that's wow. the free group. So I had about a thousand in it before, but so it's now two and a half thousand people in there all asking questions to each other, helping each other. It's a bit of a support network there for milliners and other creative people. Then from that, some of them have come over and joined the academy as well. And I teach people how to make hats every other month. So I do courses in it. Um, we do purchase bundles, leather making, felt hats, a backer, all sorts of things. So I've got about 22 sort of modules in there already now and um, when people join they can see all of those and then they, they get a new one every other month and in between that I interview business experts and then they come in and actually teach them about 
pricing and how to bring customers in and websites and photography and Facebook, how to use that to your advantage, how to use Pinterest to bring in customers and all this sort of stuff. As you were speaking, I thought it's great that you've brought the business side into it. But what I found with creatives, a number of them have, you know, they're really, <laughs> they're really lacking on the business side, the numbers side. I mean, that can make or break your business. So what I do love about the packages that you offer is that you bring in this additional support because if up to them, a lot of them probably just think, I just want to create. But you're mm-hmm. helping them. It displays a quite a nice sort of um, your, your ethics, duty of care to give them this grounding within that mm-hmm. package so that they can actually, you know, fly. It's nice. When I set up the group at the beginning, I was doing sort of motivational talks on Mondays about business. And I thought that's the way it would go. I didn't think I'd be teaching people. I thought it'd be more about how to grow your business, whatever it is. So it was called Inspiring Creative Women at the beginning. Um, and then when I said, do you want this on a course or something on business? It just went dead. Everyone was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> then I snuck in the business side, you see, because I knew they needed it. But they didn't. They were like, oh, no, it's boring. But I thought, I have to give this to you because I know that when I first started, I didn't think I needed business. I thought people would just come to me for hats. If they were good enough, people would find me. But it's not like that. You need to put yourself out there and you need to find them. And as a creative, it's so hard to sort of push yourself in front of people because you just want to make, you just want to hide and you want somebody else to do all of that. When I realized that and started studying business on the sides, then I could bring that into my business. And then it sort of grew a lot more than it did before. So I thought, I know, I know they need it, but they don't know they need it. So I'm going to add it in anyway. Um, but in my academy, it's a membership site. So it's a roll on every month thing. And if they just want to join for fun, they can. If they want to dip into the business, they can do that as well. And they can grow their business. If they want a qualification in it, then I've just set up a VIP area, which is a qualification VIP, which is extra if they want that. And then they can get a qualification from me. So there's something for everyone, basically. Yeah. And you're an excellent example of how to adapt quickly in a changing environment. You've just stayed very positive. You've stayed out there. You've been engaging with people. You've been growing the numbers. It's great. But something so practical as hat making, all the materials and that's involved in the techniques, and also the social side, I'm not really sure how you've managed to recreate the magic, but it feels as if you're actually in a workshop with all these other ladies. My hat off to you, no pun intended, that you've managed to kind of recreate that and keep that going throughout lockdown. Really good. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's nice for me as well, because when, I'm, when I was stuck here and, you know, you speak to your friends on the phone or you go on Zoom, but the fact that I've had to keep this going and not let people down because I do it every week, I have tried to keep positive and just kept going and not sort of the negative side of it and I surprised myself I thought that I might end up sitting in my pajamas the whole time and just being quite negative (laughs) but I haven't had time to be I've just been so busy and just keeping going and um, been great everyone has off days myself included but you give off this really grounded positive energy always smiling as I was doing my research on you I think I told you earlier before we turned the mic on I found myself laughing watching some of your footage And you're clearly very popular. I see that you're regularly invited to attend events or to judge events. I've seen you at Ascot. I've seen you on TV, ITV, being interviewed by various people. It's one thing to know your craft. It's another thing to be good with people as well and to give off that vibe. And the two things are quite a magical combination. I think I told you before, I'm sort of naturally an introverted person, but I've never wanted to be a quiet person. So I've always um, tried to not be, tried to push myself the other way and just putting myself in those situations so I I used to hate speaking in front of people and so I forced myself to do a lot of talks 
uh, just to get over that. And I remember doing a massive talk for Visa to 100 people all about hats. And I was just, my leg was shaking under the table, <laughs> but I managed to pull it off. And now it's become a little bit more easy, a little bit more natural. And I mean, how do you feel about talking to, to groups now? Do you still have that nervousness and you, kind of, you just hide it better? Or is it just now something that you're just used to? Yeah, it's not natural. Um, I don't know if anybody is actually just naturally okay to talk to loads of people or get up on stage. I think everybody has a little bit of nerves um, and then are just trying to ignore that and it has got easier. I did mess up one thing a few years ago when I went to an event and I had to talk to a load of students and that freaked me out more than talking to a load of adults because they sit there looking uninterested I just I lost it and I just couldn't really speak <laughs> um, and I thought oh no that didn't go very well did it so after that I tried to just do more and just get better and so it is easier um, and I just put on a bit of a persona really mum always said my mother always said you've got to pretend you're acting you're the confident woman wearing the hat so just talk like it and I said, okay do that fine oh, yes. <laughs> oh yeah mother knows I mean it's funny I think about what my parents uh, the advice that they gave me and two of the things um, that you just said now really resonated one about just forcing yourself and that's great advice because you have to really put yourself out of your comfort zone often to, mm. to, to grow and to, to develop so I like that you kind of had the wherewithal to think I'm just going to do this and the other comment that you made was about mistakes making mistakes everyone has that learning curve like no one jumps from one to a hundred without going through the other stages and it's yeah. the speed at which you go through, which means at the beginning, your learning curve, you will make those mistakes. And that's all part of the growth, isn't it? Yeah, I'm always one for doing what I don't want to do, force myself to do something I don't like, because I will like it at some point, I will get better at it. And then it's not gonna, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I love psychology and trying to help some people as well who, who retreat into themselves and go backwards. They're scared of something, they'll go further back into the room and and then it gets worse and you get more scared of that room and then you go further back and you end up just in your bedroom, living in your bedroom because you're scared. So I'm always trying to say, well, you've got to push yourself out of your comfort zone and come out of that room and then your mind will be okay with that. And then you come out of the next room and until you get outside, never let your mind take over and take control of you. And that's the other thing, control. I can't stand anyone being in control of me or my mind being in control of me. So if it's stopping me doing something that I want to do, then I'm trying to combat that. Um, until I get I get there in terms of mistakes does anything sort of stick out in terms of something you try to create and you thought oh I had a client who wanted something um she wanted a for a, a big racing event she said I want it a meter tall and I want three pieces and I want them all coming off and I want them a meter long well, uh, I thought Mike right got, okay so I've got this meter long thing I have to keep it upright and not so it's just dangling over her head going down the back so I have to try and keep it up and I kept going for more for what she wanted because at the beginning of my career and I was too scared to tell her that this is not going to look good and she goes, no no I want more I want it bigger I want this 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 and I'm like okay I'll do it I'll please you give it to you and then I just thought this is not going to work I wish I'd just done what I wanted more I'll try to explain to her how that's not going to look quite good and let's twist it this way or do something that way yeah you've got to have confidence with clients as well which is something I've learned in which something's grown over time not to let them take over all the time because and um, you know if they're happy they're happy and that's good but at the same time if they think they're happy and then you make it and then they go to an event and it doesn't work then it's your fault it's your fault so, yeah the client doesn't know what they don't know and if you have a field yeah. of expertise and they're paying you for that expertise I think you do have a duty of care sometimes to step in 
even if it's mm-hmm. saying to them, look, this is what you want, but I'm going to explain to you, you know, what, the many reasons why it's not going to work. And they will thank you for it in the end. They, they, they will, because yeah. as, as you said, if you give them what they want and it doesn't work and it goes wrong, they will always blame you. Yeah. Yeah. So now with clients, I'll say, okay, you want that. We'll mock this up, try it. But now let me show you this way and see how, what you think of this just maneuvering a little bit or changing a feather or changing a shape slightly and then they'll be like oh yes I can see now because you can't always see you know I have a thing in your mind I don't know if I'm sketching I'll have an imagination of a hat that I want to make but it won't necessarily work in real life when you put it into a 3d form it's not going to sit right on your head so I end up changing things as I'm making and a design evolves. So that's the same with the client. So when you're making it you can they don't know if it's going to really work or not until it's finished. In the same way that you go to M&S when my mother took me at whatever age to get my bra properly fitted and I had no <laughs> idea that I was wearing the wrong size. I probably need to go to someone like you to say, Look, what am I doing wrong with these hats? Um, we have a challenge actually coming up the end of November, another millinery challenge. So I'll have a link soon to sign up to that. And that's all free. So if you join the Inspiring Creative Milliners group, the free one, then you can join the challenge as well for free. It's a three-day challenge. And then they can try out the hat making and see if they like it and just have fun. It's so great because everyone, all these people come in, you know, we get like, I think it's about 800 odd views of people just trying out and then and having a go and then chatting with each other and say, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Or where can I buy this from? We're like that. And then they get ideas. Oh, it sounds like lots of fun. No, definitely count, count me in. Thank you so much for your time. You know, I really applaud you for staying positive, being very innovative during this very challenging time, inspiring other people. It's fantastic that people like you have gone and created these extra channels that allow for that socializing, you know, as well as that creating and that mental health awareness. So, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Great. You've been listening to me, Vivian Braidwood. Ask me any lifestyle related question or let me know which topic you'd like me to cover during our essential coffee break. Tag me and use the hashtag Shades and Coffee with Vivian on Twitter or Instagram. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe and please rate us. Shades and Coffee. Look good, feel good. Mm-hmm.